The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to in-game odds in every major sport, Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by our mini helmet contest. The SGP mini helmets are now in the store and we're giving one away for free. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. Teams on their way out here at Molyneux. Manchester United making one change. Marcus Rashford drops to the bench. And the exciting youngster Alejandro Garnacho comes in. He is one of those players that gets bombs off seats, Ben, and we're hoping to see more of that today. Yeah, Alejandro Garnacho is the epitome of what every Man United fan wants to see from a winger. Here comes Ericsson. Lovely flick header. That could be a chance. Manchester United just over the top. The header from Casemiro takes a deflection on the way through. And Jose Sarr is stranded as he watches it over his bar. Martial helps this on to Ericsson. Now a counter-attack potentially as Garnacho tries to reel it in. The ball for... Oh, he's got it here. Alejandro Garnacho. Great save, Jose Sarr. And to the edge of the penalty area. Undone by the sliding tackle from Jose Sarr. But Alejandro Garnacho will think that he should have done better. Clipped out to the right-hand side. Anthony brings it down on the instep of his left boot, then pokes it forward towards Bruno Fernandes. First time ball into the box. Martial, what a tackle that is. What a tackle from Nathan Collins to deny Anthony Martial. Ruben Neves standing over a free kick. That is a good one. Great save, David De Gea. Think he had it covered all the way. Had to make sure that he got two big palms on it. Turns it around the post. Yeah, I think that was the side that he had to go as well, Neves. Come round the wall, definitely going in. That is a great save. It's a terrific save. Rashford. Marcus Rashford. Looking for a way through. He's going to collect this again. Marcus Rashford with the opportunity. Rashford! Oh, Marcus Rashford! Again! He's 11th of the season! And the substitute strikes for Manchester United! And it's a moment of brilliance from Manchester United's number 10 to give them the lead at Molyneux. United 1, Wolves 0. Nuri bends one into the penalty area header saved David De Gea lifted over the top by Harry Maguire and out for another corner but David De Gea at point blank range may well have saved Manchester United the point Malassia under pressure from Yichang Huang throwing towards taken quickly full time whistle goes and Manchester United Take three points away from the Midlands thanks to Marcus Rashford. Full time at Molyneux. Wolves nil. Manchester United won. You are listening to Bet MUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can also follow Bet MUFC. It's at Bet MUFC. That's at Bet MUFC. You can also follow my Twitter account at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. The pin tweet on that account is always the PL from the previous month over at lockbetting.com. 
we currently need to swap the month of December for the month of January, which was the 150th, oh, sorry, the month of November for the month of December, which was the 115th month in a row of Transparent Track Profit. And that is the PL spreadsheet where you can see all of our World Cup futures. So let's move on with this edition of Bet MUFC. Manchester United win again. We are now in the top four. That's where we want to be this season. That was the target at the start of the season. A trophy and a place in the top four would represent an incredible season for Eric Ten Hag. But can we do a little bit better than that this season? Can we finish higher than fourth? That's obviously... The question that people are going to ask when Manchester United are delivering this kind of consistency. Obviously, at this point of the season, everybody's looking towards the transfer window and seeing if you can solidify or improve your league position. That's something that Arsenal should be doing if they're looking to win the league. Perhaps it's not something Manchester City can do because you're not going to get anybody that fits into that Manchester City squad who's good enough in the January window. I understand at the moment that players are available for a premium because of the World Cup, but you need to be careful if you're buying a World Cup player, if you're buying a player who overperformed that European Championship or a Copa America or a World Cup always because the motivation is a lot higher for these tournaments and for these short-term kind of tournaments playing these six or seven games across a month. These players are very, very motivated. It's a situation that doesn't replicate club football. And just because, say, for example, a Enzo Fernandez or an Amrabat or a Guardiol, all these players who came to the forefront at the World Cup, they performed very, very well there. But it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody should be paying 70 million for Amrabat or 60 million for Guardiol or the ridiculous 132 million for Enzo Fernandez or 60, 70 million pound bids for Brighton's Alexis McAllister because these players weren't playing like that and weren't considered to be at that price range prior to the World Cup. And we always see this and it doesn't necessarily pan out. As a Man United supporter, I've seen players bought off the off the back of a championship, namely uh, Karol Poborski of the Czech Republic, who was purchased in 96 after a good European championship. And he wasn't a Manchester United player. So you do see it. It happens all of the time. And that's why you need to be careful when you are purchasing from the World Cup. I think the main guilty culprit of doing this would be Chelsea because Chelsea just seem to have a lot of money to throw around on players that they don't really need and pay way over the odds. I think still paying um, 80 to 85 million for Wesley Fofana was ridiculous. Also, at the same time, I believe that Manchester United are guilty of overpaying for Anthony. I don't think he was an 80 million pound player or an 85 million pound player. Will he go on to be that? We're not sure. I have seen a downturn in his form since he was substituted for doing that that spin turn that he does. Now, it was reported that he had an injury. He didn't play a couple of games after that leading into the World Cup. But we have seen a downturn in his performances since then. I hope Anthony does go on to prove himself to be an 80 to £85 million player. But upon purchase, we have not purchased an 80 to £85 million player, unlike Casemiro, who's looking cheap for £70 million, despite the fact that he is in his early 30s. So who can Manchester United bring in in this window? I was talking to my son about this. And we were talking about missing out on Cody Gakpo with Cody Gakpo going to Liverpool. And I find it difficult to find a place 
for go for Cody Gakpo in Manchester United's best eleven. Because contrary to what was being written on social media by our fans, with us needing that striker, us needing to replace Cristiano Ronaldo. Cody Gakpo's not that player. He's a left-sided winger. And at best, he's a playmaker. He can also play in the playmaker position. I think being a number nine is the one thing that Cody Gakpo can't do. And I think at this point, with Manchester United playing on the counter-attack, we would need a false nine anyway. We would be looking for that number nine who can come in and hold the ball up and allow our wide players like Martial and Anthony or Ganacho, whoever we start, maybe Jaden Sancho gets right and he comes back. We need a player to play in that in that position where he allows the attackers to get involved in a play. It would be great to get a 30-40 goal striker like Erling Haaland. But what we do need more is a player who can hold the ball up that position and press. Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't doing any of this. He wasn't scoring goals. He wasn't holding the ball up. And he wasn't holding up and involving other players in the moves. And he wasn't pressing either. So... We were really getting absolutely nothing with Cristiano Ronaldo. Every time he played, it was like playing with 10.5 players rather than playing with 11. And people can point to last season and what he did. But much like I, I made the point over on the EPL show, Manchester City's goal average this season so far is at 2.75. Their overall average last season was at 2.6. So Erling Haaland as a player hasn't added a lot more goals to Manchester City, whilst as an individually as the team are not scoring that many more goals. In fact, they continue at this rate. It will just be 0.15 extra goals over the course of the season, which actually adds up to about just one more goal um, per every six games. So come the end of the season... Manchester City would have scored six and a half more goals with Erling Haaland in the team as opposed to previously. Now, they could be key goals, and I think that's why he's going to be key in the Champions League because he does give you that game-winning ability that Manchester City haven't had and haven't been able to get themselves out of tight holes in tight games in the Champions League. But I don't think it necessarily benefits you stylistically having to adapt your style to your number nine when you play in the EPL. So Manchester United don't want to fall into that boat. I don't think we are looking for a new Ronaldo or a Lewandowski or a player of that mould. We're looking for somebody who can run. We're looking for someone who can press. We're looking for someone who can hold the ball up. So I still point to Victor Ushman as being my top target rather than Cody Gakpo. And I don't think Victor Ushman is available in this window. In a perfect world, we'll be able to sign Kylian Mbappe. Similar type of player, incredible body strength, holds the ball up. Ridiculous pace where he can run at. Obviously, that pace then also allows you to press. Kylian Mbappe would be the absolute perfect addition to the Manchester United front three. But Kylian Mbappe isn't available. And in fact, if I look around the transfer window, I know it's very nice to make new signings. Everybody wants to sign new players. But there isn't a player available that I think currently fits in for Manchester United. I'm happy with our fullbacks at the moment. We've got cover for Luke Shaw with Tyrell Malassia. We've got Diego Dalla out there um, with cover coming from Wambasaka, who's now suddenly playing much better. Uh, we've got plenty of cover in the centre-back positions. I mean, Harry Maguire is probably our fourth-choice centre-back at the moment, behind Victor Lindelof with Martinez and uh, Varane absolutely killing it. our main two. In the goalkeeping position, we can recall Dean Henderson if we wanted to, provide more competition for David De Gea. And ultimately, I do think that is a position that we will look at in the summer. I don't think David De Gea will be our goalkeeper next season. I'm suddenly very happy with the midfield, which was a big criticism from last year. We were not happy with the midfield that's where Man United were perceived to be losing games and Scott McTominay and McFred and, and Fred uh, referred to as McFred were, were giving a lot of criticism but now 
McTominay or Fred are no longer playing in the team. We've got a consistent starting three with Casemiro, for me, being the best holding midfield player in the world. Uh, Christian Eriksen being that in-between who does a little bit of the holding work and also some of the attacking with Bruno Bruno Fernandes being the man who's playing behind the, the front three, looking to play in that quarterback role. I'm happy with that front three. I'm happy with Fred as cover if he's not brought in to play in the defensive midfield role because that's not his job. Scott McTominay's good cover in that position, but could we do with one more? Could we do with somebody else who could cover Casemiro? Are we still interested in Frankie de Jong? Would Frankie de Jong be a good fit for this for this three, for this trio in midfield? Who would he get in ahead of? Would he play ahead of Christian Eriksen? No. Would he play ahead of Casemiro? No. Would he play ahead of Bruno Fernandes? No. So, do we need to sign a midfield player? It's, it's difficult to make a case for anyone. It is just that striker position. Yes, I'm happy with Marcus Rashford at the moment. I think Jaden Sancho is still a good player, but he needs to sort himself out. There's obviously some sort of overriding issue with, with living in Manchester and being in Manchester and the surroundings. That that seems to be a problem. Anthony still needs time to come good. Ganacho is a great find to the fact that he's coming through. Anthony Martial on his day can be unplayable, but um, I still think despite all of those names, that's the position where we probably do need something. And um, Cody Gakpo for me wasn't the answer. I was not heartbroken to, to lose out on that signing. Is it a little bit embarrassing that Liverpool got somebody that we were perceived to want? Yes. But would he play in our 11? No. So I think it's going to be a window where we sit it out and we don't sign anybody and um, looking at the options available. And if it means signing a World Cup player, World Cup star for too much money, I'm quite happy for Man United to sit this one out and not sign anybody in this current window. So we move on to looking at this Bournemouth game. Before we do that, let's look back at the game against Wolves. The main highlight was, of course, Marcus Rashford coming off the bench, scoring the winner. And the fact that Marcus Rashford even started on the bench. Now, Eric Ten Hag said that it was a um, disciplinary issue. And that's why he started on the on the subs bench. And all it turned out to be was that Marcus Rashford was, was late. That he slept in for a, a team meeting. But Eric Ten Hag reacted quickly. Despite the fact that this is our most informed player at the moment. Nobody is above the manager and nobody is above the club. And that is something that we have failed to implement since we lost Sir Alex Ferguson, which is coming up to, what, 10 years ago now this this summer. So I was not happy to see Marcus Rashford not playing, but I was very, very happy that Eric Ten Hag took that stand. And finally, it does look like this club is moving in the right direction. All we need to do is get in some new owners. And I genuinely think we could be title contenders next season. Let's have a listen to what Marcus Rashford had to say about the reason he missed the game or didn't start the game against Wolves. Thanks, Lizzie. Marcus, you're in a bit of minor trouble with the boss, should we say, but have you, have you made amends then? Um, yeah, obviously it's, it's the team rules, you know, and um, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a mistake that can happen, but I'm um, obviously disappointed not to, not to play, but I, under, I understand um, the decision. Um, and all of them, obviously, you know, happy that we, we managed to win the game anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think we can draw a line under it and move on. What, what did you get in trouble for? I was a little bit late for a meeting. <laughs> um, okay. But, yeah, I just slept in, overslept, so it can happen. It can happen, certainly when you're on a hot streak. You've been used in a lot of energy. You've, what's that, you're 11th of the season already? That's it's more than double last season, so you're in fine form right now. Yeah, I think I'm in a, I'm in a good place, you know, um, and I'm just, I'm just pleased with, you know, the way that we're progressing. Really, I think in the past we, we can easily lose that game or d- definitely draw it. Um, 
even with scoring one goal, I think they, they put a lot of pressure on us and, you know, we stood up to it and defended well. And, you know, David had to make one massive save at the end um, and a good save from a free kick as well. So it's, it's a difficult game and we've always found it difficult to come here and win. But like I said, we, we managed to do that today. There seems a good unity in this squad at the moment since you come back from the World Cup. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned before um, it's difficult to come back because emotion-wise everyone's at different different levels different stages um, but yeah it's been it's been important for us to just stick together and help each other through what's a difficult moment for you know the lads that, that um, didn't win the World Cup basically and um, yeah it's, it's obviously a, a moment where we need each other a lot and that's a difficult scrap you've had out there today and very important that you're scrapping and in the top four because it's going to be a scramble this season isn't it yeah it's going to be it's going to be tough like any other season um you know we're gonna we're gonna push ourselves and and try and get as, as high up the table as, as possible um but yeah like you said a lot of teams are, are doing well this year and they're being very consistent as well so we're gonna have to be on top of our game to you know keep up with them and try and go one step further and, and get in front of the team well you started in, in bad books but you play the match Thank and the win it's not bad is it? <laughs> good turnaround Thank you. cheers cheers yeah, so all looks like it's well, seems to be dealt with and squashed. Not too sure that Eric Ten Hag actually wanted the reason out there because he didn't give the reason himself. He just said it was a disciplinary issue. Marcus Rashford was the one that gave the specifics. Also was laughing about it there. I'm not sure that Eric Ten Hag would be best pleased about that. Uh, I wasn't best pleased with seeing that um, sparkly diamond crucifix earring in his ear. Um, never like to see a player going down that direction with the with the sparkly, fancy diamond jewellery. I uh, didn't know Marcus Rashford was that guy. But um, but yeah, as long as he keeps scoring goals, I don't give a shit what he ends up wearing. He can dye his hair pink and become a cross-dresser off the field as long as he keeps scoring and playing the way he is at the moment. There's a massive difference in Marcus Rashford from, from this season and last season and even the season before. I don't just think it's down to the fact that a... Um, he sorted out his injury issues and, and started pre-season training early. I do believe there's a lot less going on outside of the pitch in terms of his, his charity work and whatnot. And don't get me wrong, there's, there's no there's, there's no bad thing to write books and do charity work and, and want kids to get fed. But ultimately, this is your bread and butter. I know you're, you want to give everybody else bread and butter, but this is your bread and butter. We pay to watch you play. And this is a club that doesn't doesn't accept the type of performances that Marcus Rashford was delivering over the last two seasons. And now this looks like a Manchester United player. Not only does it look like a Manchester United player, but as Casemiro said, this looks like a player who could be in among the top five players in the world. On his day, that's where Marcus Rashford is. It's absolutely ridiculous to throw him into the conversation at the moment because you could easily name 10 players who are better just based on their consistency alone. But Marcus Rashford could definitely head into that that conversation. He's playing for a top club here for Manchester United. Manchester United are expected to win games and if they're expected to win games with the position Marcus Rashford's in, he's expected to score goals and create assists and have an impact. And if he can have an impact in a winning team, then he can carry himself into that top echelon of the best players in the world. So moving on to this game against Bournemouth, which kicks off tonight. Manchester United are the clear 2-9 favourites to win it. It's 11-2 on the draw. And it's 12 to 1 here on Bournemouth. It's a difficult game to bet 
with Manchester United being such a short favourite. This game represents Manchester United the opportunity to go 100% in the league across the Christmas period. And uh, by winning this game and then winning the game on Friday in the third round of the FA Cup against Everton, that will complete a 100% sweep for Manchester United. The perfect Christmas from, from the club, the perfect Christmas present from Eric Ten Hag to the supporters. I think it's difficult not to see Man United winning this game comfortably. Man United to cover a minus 1.5 Asian handicap line. The, the bet that we just won with in the game against Nottingham Forest at the last game at Old Trafford is the same way we're going to go here again. It's available at the price of 17 to 20. Bournemouth coming in, coming to this, having lost six of their last seven league games and they've conceded 24 goals across their seven clashes with the top eight teams in the league. The visitors have actually made one of the worst starts defensively on the road in Premier League history, while Man United have won to nil in all three of their games since the World Cup. It's worth noting that Bournemouth's defensive way record is padded out quite considerably by the 9-0 defeat that they suffered at the hands of Liverpool. But I like United to get this done. Um, obviously, with that 9-0 defeat, it does bring up Bournemouth's goal average, so they've now conceded 3.25 goals per away game so far this season. But um, that's good data for Man United to win this convincingly. But you have to little, you have to put that little asterisk in there. I think this is more about Man United. Man United should be beating this type of team. They've won to nil in the last three games and have hit five goals across two games at Old Trafford since the World Cup. I'm confident that they can win this and win this convincingly. This isn't the type of game that Bournemouth's season is going to be decided on if they go down. It's not going to be because they lost to Old Trafford or Anfield or, or Manchester City. It's not going to be down to that. It's going to be down to what they do with teams around them. So for them, it's a little bit of a free hit. Despite that, I still think they'll come in and set up defensively to try and frustrate Man United. These are the type of games that we've struggled with over the years, but I do think this Man United team will get the breakthrough. And once they do more goals, come. So Man United minus 1.5 on the Asian handicap line is your selection here for this game. That's it for me and this edition of BetMUFC. I'll be back again at the weekend. Until then, good luck with all of your bets as always and thanks for listening.